what a privilege it is for me to stand before you and share the word of God. I love the word of God and it's been awesome just studying and learning and applying it into my life. You see, if you were here two Sundays ago, we started a new sermon series on the Beatitudes and you saw that. It is from Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12. And the Beatitudes are the beginning, the beginning of Jesus' sermon on the mount. And they are a list of blessings that give us guidance for our lives in the world. And it helps us in living a life that is full of joy. You see, the word blessed can be translated as happy or blessed. But it is better understood as, and listen to this, as a deep abiding sense of joy. A deep sense of joy. A joy that lightens our load and helps us continue on through all that the world will bring. You see, this joy is not dependent upon the circumstances that we find ourselves in. In fact, it plays off the circumstances. We are blessed. We are full of joy when these principles... The attitudes that is mentioned in the beatitude, when they are evident in our lives. So far, we have discovered that the first beatitude says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, being poor in spirit, it confronts us with a deep need. A deep need. It is the understanding that, that before... A just and holy God, we need to stand before him and say that we are totally, totally spiritually broke. We're bankrupt. And that we are sinners. We are sinners and is in desperate need of a savior. Admitting that we do not have within ourselves what it takes to please God. We are dependent on his mercy. We are dependent on God's forgiveness. And we are dependent on his grace. And so this morning, we will continue to look at the next two beatitudes. And we want to build on the first one. And the first one is, I, I'm, I'm challenging you as we go through this sermon series that you will memorize. And not just memorize it, but as you're learning, you're applying these beatitudes. The first one is, blessed what are the poor. Now we're going to look at blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Listen to those. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. For the world's ears, it's upside down and strange to hear that. The world would say to us, blessed are the cheerful. Blessed are the party goers. Blessed are the successful. Those are the things that we normally would hear. But why would anyone think that mourning is, is a key to a happiness? Yet Jesus gave this beatitude, this attitude as one of the keys of a blessed life. Have you ever, ever met anyone mourning in mourning and they said that they felt very blessed? Not a normal response, isn't it? How does blessed go together with joy or mourning? Or sorrow. Think about that. 
Now, we all know mourning at one level or another. Each of us has experienced a loss and grief of different kinds. Some of us here have gone, have experienced a loss of a loved one. And we can recall the pain, the emptiness, the deep feeling in the pit of our stomachs. That sense that, that an important part of our life has been ripped away and things can never just return to normal. This life can never be the same without that person. Still others have mourned the loss of health. And many of you know of anyone that has lost health. You have, or even yourself or your family, and you have to battle a devastating disease. And knowing that life can never quite be the same again. I know someone who just lost a job. And you know of many. An accompanying anxiety and fear over how to make ends meet. All of these losses and others cause us to grieve and mourn. Even as believers. Even as believers. For we are not spared the sufferings and heartaches that are common to all people. But as believers, but because of Jesus Christ, we are able to face the losses of this life with a hope and confidence that there is a day coming. A day coming when sickness, suffering, and death will be no more. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says about how God is. That God is the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all of our affliction. In all the losses we have and continue to experience. But here in Matthew 5, 4, Jesus' word speaks about a different kind of mourning. A different kind of mourning. It is the mourning that would naturally follow the recognition of being spiritually bankrupt or broke. The acceptance of our sin and the guilt before a holy and righteous God. It is the spiritual mourning that takes place when we start to see our sinfulness from God's view, not from our own. When our heart begins to break over the things that break God's heart. When our heart begins to grieve over the things that grieves God's heart. And I like what the prophet Isaiah said, and I want you to feel this, what he's trying to do here. He's saying, woe is me. Woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man. Or many of us probably say, I am a woman of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah is grieving and mourning. You see, the closer we get to God, the closer you get to God, the more mournful we become over our sin, knowing that it dishonors Him. So let me ask you this morning, how serious do you take sin in your life? Do you take it lightly? Does it break your heart when you discover that you've sinned against God? Does your sin cause you to mourn and grieve? Do you experience 
that godly sorrow that leads you to repent, to be on your knees and ask for forgiveness. The Lord promises each and every one of us that when we experience spiritual mourning or godly sorrow, he tells us we will be comforted. I like that. We will be comforted. You see, God comes alongside and comforts us with his love. He doesn't leave us to struggle with our grief, but he comes alongside us with his presence, his love, and his forgiveness. And he says to you and to me, when we're grieving, he says to us, Paul, it's going to be okay. It's okay. And I love you. And I have taken your sin and have forgotten all about it. Daniel, I love you. And he comes along and tells you, I love you. It's going to be okay. And I've forgotten all your sin. And it's all gone. It has been that we can experience the truth of his word. The word that says how richly blessed, how truly happy are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. First beatitude, the poor in spirit. They are those who come to the realization that we are spiritually bankrupt before God. And we need to depend on God. Secondly, we looked at those who mourn. It is a natural response when we know that we are very poor. That we need God. And there God comforts us when we see the darkness of our sin before a holy, the holy God. And it leads us to cry out. Cry out in deep anguish. And this morning, lastly, I would like to look at the third beatitude. The third attitude that said, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. These three Beatitudes are attitude that each of us as believers and Christians have to have in our lives. Not just have it, but display it. And as you will, be, as you will discover that each of these Beatitudes are closely connected together. Blessed are the meek. What is meek? What is meekness? What does it look like? I wonder what images come to your mind when you hear the word meek or meekness. Why don't you take just a second, a couple seconds to imagine what meek, meekness is all about. To some, the meek brings to mind a person, a person who is unable to stand firm on anything. A person who is e easy to persuade. A person who is generally weak-minded and a weak-willed person but most people seem to think that meek means weak how many of you thought of that today that meek is about being weak a spineless person without any backbone at all but brothers and sisters we live in a world that doesn't understand the biblical value of meekness you see in the bible there were two men two men who were called meek one in the old testament was moses and the New Testament is Jesus. And neither of them was weak. Number says, 12.3 says, Now the man Moses was very meek, not weak, 
very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And Jesus himself says in Matthew 11 says, I am meek and lowly in heart. The biblical word for meek is the Greek word for praos, which means, listen to these, mild, gentle, humble. And another word is strength under control. It is used in, I want you to picture this, used in taming a horse or a wild animal. In other words, picture meekness. Meekness involves the process, the teaching, the training of an animal. And think about a horse that has not yet been broken. How many of you have horses or animals? Okay, think of a horse that has not been broken. It jumps, it kicks, it kind of will go crazy. And when someone goes near it, it resists the bit and the bridle. And it's because it's not used yet, used to, to the hand of the trainer. But when it gets used to, to the hand of the trainer, where the process of training and learning has been put on, the horse has this dignity, the calmness, and that under control. The animal is at peace. By nature, we are all like that unbroken horse. Whether you like it or not, we are like that unbroken horse. We resist the hand of God. We resist him. We kick against him. We do anything to be against God because we want it our way. And as long as we are fighting God, we cannot experience that peace within ourselves. As long as we're at war in ourselves, the chaos, the disorder will spill over the people we love and the people who we work with, the people that we go to school with, especially our family. You see, without meekness, we slide into an eternal conflict in ourselves that really shows itself in anger, frustrations, bitterness, resentment, and confusion. I don't know about you, but the other day I was reminded as I was preparing for the sermon and I've been asking God and how to go about this. And, and I was reminded of meekness. I was driving behind a slow car. How many of you have ever experienced that? Okay. Driving a slow car. Normally, I'm one of those that want to get to my, where I need to go in a um, quick fashion. And also, we don't want to be late. Don't want to be late. So I was in a rush that day. And... There was no way I could go around that car. There was no way or else I would have broken the law. But I didn't want to do that. But I was in this car. I was by myself and I was getting a little frustrated. Getting frustrated. Are you guys feeling it too? You feeling it too? And I was, I was talking to myself. And I'm driving. I'm talking to myself. I'm like, really? Really? Come on. How many of you? Oh, some of you are probably doing more than that. But that was me. That was me. Really? Come on. And I was thinking to myself, mm, maybe I could honk my horn. But you know what? I couldn't. I couldn't. At that moment, I had to stop and think about what I've been studying, what God has been speaking to me. It's about meekness. I had to keep it cool, keep it calm and gentle and being patient. I took a deep breath and waited until I could turn left or right when it uh, after that car. But you see, meekness tames the temper. 
calms the passion and brings order out of chaos in our lives. A meek person's life has to be brought under the influence of not our own, but the Holy Spirit and have God control of our lives. How many times we take control of our lives, don't we? But see, meekness is not weakness. Look at this screen. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. A strength that a lion can have, that each of us can have because of what God can do in our lives if we give him full control. Blessed are the meek. You see, meekness allows you to weather the storms of life. Being meek will comfort you and allow you to rest in the promises of God. So this morning, what is what does a person look like when he or she is exhibiting the meekness that this verse 5 is talking about? We're going to look at quickly Psalm 37, 3 to 7. Because it tells us how we can be meek in our day-to-day -day life. Minute by minute of our life. And one of them is that a meek person trusts in God. Verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Biblical meekness is rooted, it's rooted in the deep confidence that God is for you and not against you. The psalmist is saying that don't put your trust in people or possessions or prestige. He says put your trust in the Lord. You see, people come and go. But not the Lord. Possessions are here today. And what happens to it? It's gone tomorrow. But not the Lord. He is eternal. He's everlasting from everlasting. He is, has no end. And, no, and he has beginning and no end. So ladies, church, we need to put our trust in God. We can place our life. We can place our present circumstances, our reputations, our future in his hands. A lot of times we trust men. Dangerous, dangerous. We trust ourselves, that's more dangerous. But God says, let us trust him. That's what a meek person does. And secondly, a meek person commits his or her way to God. Commit your way to the Lord. And again, here it is, trust him and he will do this. Church, we live in a me, myself, and I society. Do you agree? I want to make sure you're awake. We're almost there. Remember two weeks ago, Major talked about the selfies. But see, we are people that just says my way or no way or the highway. We are self-centered. I'm sorry if you don't feel that way, but we are self-centered. But meekness is God-centered. Meekness is God-centered. And I like what John the Baptist said in John 3.30. He says, he must increase. He must increase and I must decrease. We do not look to our own. We are to commit everything to God. Our way, whether we like it or not. Our sorrow, our disappointments, our imperfections, our questions, our cares, our circumstances are to be given completely into his hands. 
You've heard this, the phrase says, God has the whole world in his hands. And if he does, can you imagine each of us, our life is in his hands. Commit your way to God. And lastly, a meek person is resting on God and waiting on God. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. You see, to rest in the Lord is a privilege. It's a privilege for each and every one of us as a believer. And many people in the world are doing all they can to make themselves rich, to pursue all the worldly pleasure and power, but they have no rest. God gives each and every one of us, his children, quiet rest. You see, he calms our soul and silences our complaining tongue. See, what a sweet rest is found in him. And Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, and I hope that as you read this, that you will take it. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And Jesus is speaking here. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He is giving it to us. He's giving it to us, and it's for us to respond by taking it, allowing him for us so that we can rest in him. A meek person not just rests, but waits patiently. Patiently. What a word. A P word. Patiently. We live in a busy, fast-paced, instant kind of world. You want things right now. You want things now. Waiting and being patient is not easy. You see, as for a meek person, we must be patient in our suffering. In the difficult circumstances that you are in. In persecution and when life seems to be a complete mystery to us. Waiting patiently. God and his will is worth waiting for. His time is always best when he reveals himself to us. So what are the qualities of a meek person? A meek person trusts in the Lord. Commit his or her way to the Lord. Rests in the Lord and waits patiently on the Lord. When you apply all of these qualities in your life today, as a meek woman, as a meek man, as a meek young person, we are promised. We are promised. It says in Psalm 37, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The meek will inherit the earth. Okay, come on, church. Look at the earth that we live in today. Look at the earth. Would you want this earth? Who would want earth? Honestly. It is sin-filled, broken down, falling apart, and filled with corrupt people. Do you want that? But it's different. It's a different kind of earth that God is speaking here, that Jesus was talking about. He's talking about what we will inherit. And I'm going to tell you that, you see, to inherit the earth is to inherit the promise of God. It is the promise of love, peace, and joy that's only found in obedience to the Lord and his word here on earth. Or wherever you are, in your family, in your community, in your house, that's earth for us. It is the land of God's promise. You see, the Israelites were given the land of Canaan for their promised land. And each of us, God has given us a promised land, a land with, with, with many challenges. 
Certainly the Israelites had many challenges even though they were in the promised land. But they experienced promised land living. And you know what that promised land living is? It is living with the experience with God's power. Presence in spite of difficulties. You know you are living in the land of promise. Not when your circumstances change, but when you sense God's presence and comfort and hope. You know you're living the land of promise when you believe that God can supply your need. You know when you're living a land of promise when you desire to know and to do God's will. And you know when you're living a land of promise. When you are content, when you are content with what you have, even when circumstances have not changed in your life, it is that abundant peace, living that comes from God that allows us to enjoy the earth, this earth, until we are taken to be with him in heaven, to be with our God. Church, only the meek will inherit the promised land here on earth. So how are you living the promised land that God has given you? How are you living it? As I come to a close this morning, and I'm going to ask Bram to come forward. As God looks on your life right now, not just the outward actions, but the inward motivation, the thoughts, the imaginations, and maybe the attitude. What is it that God sees in you today? What is he seeing? The first three Beatitudes or attitudes fit together to form the beginning of our faith. The attitude of being poor in spirit, that means being humble and to know that we are a child of God and belong to his kingdom. The attitude of mourning, grieving, because we have sinned. But God says, he comforts us. I am here to comfort you. The attitude of meekness, meekness. The things how we do, how we act in our lives. Do we trust him? Do we commit? Do we rest? Do we wait on him? And if we do, the promised land living, we will inherit. Amen.